one of the things we look at all the time is who have you not talked to in X amount of days? Because that list right there, that's a potential churn list, Mm. right? Everyone else is generally, we feel pretty good. Like, hey, just talk to him. Okay, you just talk to him. Why would he be leaving type of thing, right? So we look at someone like anyone you haven't talked to over X period of time, even if they've been with us for two years, there's still higher likelihood of churn than someone else. So the big question is this, how do small business owners like us grow our leadership, develop our teams and scale our business in a way that allows us to get our products and services out to the world yet still remain profitable? That is the question and this podcast will give you the answers. I'm Bradley Hamner and this is the Club Capital Leadership Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Autopilot Recruiting. Join over 1,200 State Farm agents in putting your recruiting on autopilot. Any successful insurance agent will tell you how important team is. Finding those rock star team members doesn't happen when left to chance. It happens through consistent recruiting. You never know when you're going to lose a team member. And the key to an incredible team is constantly searching for the best talent. Autopilot Recruiting is a continuous recruiting service where you'll be assigned a recruiter that has been trained to recruit on your behalf every business day. This recruiter will take over and revamp your career plug, send out assessments, do pre-screened phone interviews, and schedule your in-office interviews. All you need to do is to show up and give a thumbs up or a thumbs down. This ongoing service is extremely affordable and a no-brainer for taking your insurance agency to the next level. Listeners of the Club Capital Leadership Podcast, go to autopilotrecruiting.com and use the code CLUBCAPITAL to get started. Again, autopilotrecruiting.com and use the code CLUBCAPITAL to get started. Michael, what's up? What's going on, man? Is that a real background you got today or is that a fake? It's real. It somewhat seems a little blurry. I don't have blur on. So (laughs) this is real. This is the future room of my oldest son, which is really cool to say it. I've never said it like that before. So I now have a second boy. He was two months this weekend. So uh, so now I have the oldest son. This, This is going to be his future room. So this is his, just for some background here. This is actually, I'm at my in-law's house right now. So uh, my wife's parents and we're doing something pretty atypical. We are buying her childhood home. It's honestly super, I think, special for us and pretty sentimental to be able to do. And we're going to try and make it our own. And so I think that was a situation of of my life. I can't have it look the exact same. (laughs) I was like, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, for Um, sure. But uh, no, we're super pumped. And so that's where I am today. I'm I'm on location. So... (laughs) (laughs) he's on location from his future home, future past childhood home of his wife. I love it. Well, I, of course, known this for a really long time, but I'll put it on the podcast. Congratulations on the birth of your second child. So what is the biggest thing that you've learned about being a father of two young ones and running a fast growing business with a lot of people? What's the biggest thing you've learned the last two months? Time management. I mean, it's always been uh, kind of a stickler for me when it comes to my day. I feel like at the office and at work and during business hours, I've always been pretty good about that. And especially since having the first one, it's very much like, okay, I have X amount of time to get work done during the day. I said I can come home and like see him and spend some time 
with him. It's it's crazy the the hours. You know, it's, say it's crazy. Everybody goes through this that has kids, right? But with how early they'll go to bed. I mean, it, depending on what is not necessarily a late night at the office, all of a sudden you you miss bedtime, and it's something you don't want to miss. And especially not being there all day and the things they you know, that he's doing during the day or he and my wife are doing that you just feel bad you miss out on some of those. So anyway, just time management during the day. Now with two, this was already somewhat of a problem. But just like your own routine outside of work is very hard to kind of keep up. And so I'm now very much changing my routine. I'm being much more of a morning person than I was before and just having to just really change up everything and go to bed earlier get wake up earlier. I mean, it's just changing my whole routine around, which I was a little bit hesitant with at first, but then it was very much like, all right, Mike, you got to just buck up here. (laughs) This is it. It's not going away. So I feel like we've all done this with like our parents or grandparents, tease them about how early they get up. You Mm -hmm. know, you got up at five today. Like, what the heck are you doing? Right. And yeah, I haven't been able to sleep past five. Right. And you're just like, man, sucks to get old. Right. Yeah. And you're like, wait, this is me now. I have to get up at five. They are like that because they had to start doing that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's right. Like I am that now. So it's been definitely a change for me, but it's been, honestly, I really enjoy it. And I enjoy getting my workout in first thing in the morning. So it's nice. You can't have as freely have the glasses of wine at night. Okay. By the way, I've introduced everybody to Micah. I've introduced him to my favorite wine. Austin Hope Cab is pretty amazing. Decent price point. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, it was very decent price point and good and good. Yeah. It's, it's funny though, since we had that the other day, I like saw someone posting about it on online that I shared with <laughs> you. I'm like, wow. Okay. This guy. I just had to act like I'm a wine connoisseur. I'm not at all, but anyway, yeah, no, it's good to wine. Your point there, though, I was someone not not that I I wouldn't say I'm like a heavy drinker, but I frequently have or yeah. I frequently have a glass of wine or two like during the week, and yeah, ever since this like, hey, you need to get up at a five, even one glass is like, nah, man. yeah, knocks you down, yeah, yeah, it sets you back for sure. All right. So I've got two topics today. I know you've got one. I think it'd be good. Where do you want to start? You want me to go with one of mine? Yeah, I think honestly, you've got two good ones today. So I don't know if we'll get to the third. We might be able to hold the third to another episode. We might do that. Yeah. So what I wanted to share is, Micah, over the last, I said week, but honestly, no, I think about it for just a second. I think it's actually been over the last two weeks. I have been reminded of two things, okay? And I think that we need to talk about them a little bit separate, but somewhat in parallel. The first one is the value of retaining clients. And I think a lot of times the sales, sales acquisition of getting new clients, getting new customers is what all we focus on, like top of the funnel stuff. And look, that's obviously incredibly valuable. Well, what happened is there was just a couple of situations that came up where we retained some clients. It was a client that's worked with me for a couple of years or so. And it made me start to reflect on, man, you know what? There was no marketing expense into that whatsoever. And so it's made me kind of go back to my own playbook of like, what specifically are we doing intentionally to retain clients? That's what that is actually the question in my mind. And so part of this, we would probably end up talking this out real time that actually is going to make it into a playbook because I do a lot of things on the front side on onboarding, right? There's like new box for clients. We are just ordering new swag, some really new cool stuff. We, we can talk about that maybe some other time too. 
And I thought to myself, okay, that's great. But am I intentionally doing things to be able to keep clients? That's been the big question. And then the second one that's somewhat in parallel, but a little bit different is just the value of word of mouth, meaning your current clients telling other people about you. Now, I want to distinguish that from an intentional referral process. Valuable, we've had so many guests on the podcast that have talked about word tracks and other things. That's actually not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the service, the delivery, the thing you do is so good that other people, your current clients, proactively want to go tell somebody else about it. And there's an exponential benefit to that. So those are my two topics. Where do you want to go? No, I mean, I think those are great. I mean, I think it, especially right now in a lot of our clients are in the insurance space. And so there's a lot of, I think this is a hot topic right now, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone's thinking about this with national rate hikes. Every insurance carrier is jacking rates up across the board from auto home. I mean, they're even coming out of some markets, right? All together, like California. And you know, so people are scrambling. Well, what do mm-hmm. I do, right? And we, so we sit in the financial seat and the financial advisor seat, right? For all of our clients, we help them kind of understand what should we do here, right? And where am I? How healthy am I? You know, but one of the strategies that we talk about is retention, right? It's okay. Because it starts from a very, you know, kind of accounting methodical approach of, okay, well, here's in the sections of revenue, right? You have ones driven from new business, and then you have some driven from renewals, Mm -hmm. right? If one's going away, right? Let's focus on the other. Not that you want to focus on the other. You want to obviously still worry about new business, but hey, let's definitely make sure nothing happens here since something's happening up here, right? Yeah, good point. So just from that approach, we say, okay, well, let's look at the renewal side and what are you doing there? And so we start that conversation a lot with clients just so that they can say, okay, yeah, this is a good time for me to reach out to current customers, talk about, mm-hmm. hey, we know what's going on out there. I want you to know we're here for you. And then obviously there's things a lot of companies can do programs in general to kind of adhere to in terms of retention. I know it's stuff that we think about a ton. I mean, retention is one of the biggest metrics I think you can track for your business across any business, but especially subscription-based or annuity-based businesses, because it's a huge determinant of how hard you have to work on the front end. (laughs) Yeah. We'll see people that are like crushing sales, right? Crushing sales, but their attrition rate is 20, 30%, or sometimes they call it the lapse can going the other way, 20% or, or their retention rate is only like 70, 80%, yeah. where their lapse or cancellation rate is in the 20s versus maybe 15 or 10 or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. And you got to work that much harder every month to retain the current book of business before we're even talking about net new. Yeah. A few things that really stood out to me about this that made me think about it. Like you said, some people would use laps can other companies like especially software companies churn, right? They use the terminology of churn. There's a few things that really stood out to me. I don't know where I got this from. I would point to the resource. Maybe I just heard it on the podcast, but did you know Salesforce, the company has a less than 1% churn on their customers? 1%. That's unbelievable. I mean, now granted, they Salesforce is like enterprise companies. You get so embedded that they're just not switching their service. So that makes sense. The other thing is I'd never thought through this. This is even in your examples, 
you were just using numbers like 20, 30%, 25% or so. But if you think about 20%, your entire customer base is flipping in five years. The entire customer base in five years is flipping. And if it goes 33%, it's flipping in three years. And I think that some of us just to have the, I'm certainly guilty of this too. I used to just think, oh, 20, 22, 25, whatever. It was just kind of a flippant number versus, wait a minute, what am I actually doing? Can I point to a document? Because I'm a big playbook person. So if I can't point to a playbook that says, here are the specific things we're doing to retain customers. Now, we can get into in a second, by the way, pointing at not all customers are valued the same. Let's be really real here. Some customers that pay you $100 a year versus a customer that pays you $10,000. Clearly, a customer that's paying $10,000 probably needs a whole another thing. But I think just even having the math behind it, and like you said, and also looking at it from a financial perspective is to say, okay, it's gotten so much more difficult to acquire customers. Let's not lose sight on the fact that we need to make sure that we are looking at this huge revenue source. We're going to do everything we can to keep our customers. And do I specifically have a playbook that I can point to that's actually going to say, here are the specific steps that we're doing to actually keep them? What are your thoughts on that? No, I mean, I think it makes total sense. I think a lot of people love, I mean, people love playbooks, right? It's this, what are the four things they need to do, right? It's not always tried and tested. And these are the only four things any company should should ever do, yeah, right? Sure. But it's this thing of like, hey, I really need to focus on this. What do I need to do, right? A great play, it's a starting off point, right? These four things are definitely not going to hurt you. <laughs> mm-hmm. So let's do these four things, right? And so, no, I think a lot of people need that and there needs to be a lot more focus on. I mean, when you put it that way too, which of course people know, but you don't necessarily think about it, as you said, 20%, like, yeah, if you did nothing, if you sold nothing and your laps or churn was 20%, you'd be done in five years. <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, it's something people need to be thinking about. I know even what we do, I think just general touch points, right? That's what really good just account mm-hmm. managers, right? Do account representatives, account managers do. You know, the more you talk to your clients, the less they're inclined to leave, right? Because there's a relationship that goes across all different types of products. Granted, yes, you generally different types of touch points or different number of touch points in terms of how much maybe people are paying, right? And how many products or, or things that they might have with their company. But one of the things we look at all the time is who have you not talked to in X amount of days? Because that list right there, that's a potential churn list, mm. right? Everyone else is generally, we feel pretty good. Like, hey, just talk to them. Okay, you just talk to them. Why would he be leaving? Type of thing, right? So we look at someone like anyone you haven't talked to over X period of time, even if they've been with us for two years, you know, three years, there's still higher likelihood of churn than someone else. Have you ever thought, wouldn't it be incredible if you had direct access to our expert podcast guest in real time and be able to ask a question specific to your business? Well, now you have the opportunity to do that. After three and a half years, we're finally launching a leadership podcast community, and we want you to be a part of it. We're launching this podcast community on June the 1st. Go to club.capital forward slash podcast, and you'll get all the details. You'll be able to interact with every single one of the podcasts that we record in real time and ask us questions and be able to ask the guest questions. In addition to that, we're going to have a monthly exclusive Q&A just for our leadership podcast listeners. Go to club.capital forward slash 
podcast. That's club.capital forward slash podcast and be one of the very first to join. I can't wait to see you in our leadership podcast community. So to that point, I'm going to double tap on that one because I think that's really good. Let's take this kind of from high level and let's get down to super practical on a few things. With most things, I think that there three is a really good thing to say. Are there three specific plays or levers, if you want to call it that, we're pulling on? Touch points being one of them, I think is great. One of the ones that I use is annual renewal. So somebody joins like the program in August, we'll say it's July now. So July of 2023, we make sure that we have now, we have a renewal box that's going to go out at month 11 for that client to say, thank you so much for being a part of the program over the last year. It's been a joy working with you, all of those kind of things. Okay. So that's a lever that we're pulling. So I think three seems to be the right number that we can kind of get our hands on, which means for us, I had to say no to some pretty good ideas because you start down this path of idea generation. I love whiteboards. And so you can whiteboard out 17 different strategies. And then you're like, wait a minute, we can't execute on all these. We have to circle three of them. So that was one of them that I thought pretty strongly about. The second one is on touch points. Now, I don't call it touch points. I call it traffic light system. So we have this red, yellow, and green. And so we actually, for the clients that work with me, you wouldn't even know this. Now you know that if people join in on the calls, et cetera, and they're actively engaged, they're green. We're good. But if they miss a call and we didn't know about it, now if we knew about it and they're like, well, hey, we're all going on vacation, no big deal. You're not yellow. But we put you in yellow, not as a bat on you, more so for us just to reach out and say, like, is everything good? How are you doing? Just want to let you know you were missed today. That has been really valuable because it doesn't, hopefully we catch it before it becomes red. And the way that I want people to think about this is if you owned a gym and somebody signed up to come to your gym and they were a part of your boot camp program, so let's just call it Micah's boot camp. <laughs> you can start a gym, Micah's boot camp. Okay, have a joint. Anyway, so Micah's Bootcamp, I join and I'm paying $200 a month. And the first month I'm going every day. And then you don't start seeing me. Well, eventually I'm probably at risk of leaving because you don't see me at that gym. Does that make sense? What can we do to make sure a client doesn't go red? And if they do go red, we actually have a thing in place that reaches out to them and says, we're going to do everything we can to jump on a call with them and make sure everything is good and see if we can serve them. What are your thoughts on that? So, I mean, I love the stoplight system. We literally have that <laughs> on our side. So we bucket people into, I mean, we don't call it stoplight system, but it's green, yellow, and red. So yeah, I mean, we literally look and we have this, it comes up with, so we bucket all of our clients into portfolios by account manager. And I, in essence, want to say like, what's your, on an individual level, as well as as a group, right? As a whole company, I want to understand what's the health of our client base. And then individually account managers, what's the health of your portfolio, right? Mm. And yellow, red, right? Where are you? Right? Where is your client base? Right? I mean, that's the only way from the top you can manage, right? I mean, it's, you can't, yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Tell me how my thousand clients are doing, right? And you're like, <laughs> well, Jim's doing good. And uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you just couldn't do it. That's a good example, though. No, I mean, you have to just do it by percentages, right? And not to take anything away from that, right? Not to make it less personal, right? But as a business, you need to understand 
things by the numbers, right? I mean, I've always been like a numbers person, right? So then you just set thresholds that are obviously you don't want anybody to be in the red, right? Generally, but there's always going to be a percent, right? So as yeah. long as it's below X percent, we're good. And then for those that are in those areas, what are you doing to target them, right? Yeah. yeah. What do you think? So let me ask you a question. All right. So you're an insurance agency owner and you have, I don't know what example you want to use, 3,000 clients. Is that fair? Is that a decent guess? We'll just guess 3,000. I mean, I think they call it households. Yeah. Households, right. But but customers, customers, households, whatever. Same thing. All right. So you have 3,000 and somebody's listening to this and going, yeah, it sounds fine. But I mean, I have 3,000. How do you do that? Well, I think it goes back to what we're saying is that you're not necessarily trying to say you've got to touch base with all 3000 of them. But what I think we are saying is to say, even if you went and said, what are you doing to your top 10%, the 300 clients that make up X amount of the premium that they pay can you speak to this is the things that we're doing to make sure we have a, a we're touching base with those customers? Because if you lose somebody that's paying $10,000 a year in premium, that is a way bigger difference than somebody that's paying 300 bucks. Yeah, it's a little bit different for different businesses, right? But I think in the insurance space, it can quite significantly, one, you have thousands of clients, right? So that's just hard to generally manage. But I think there you can segment it into multiple groups. I think any company should really segment it into multiple groups. And it's, what are you doing for each group? You're doing something differently for each group, right? Mm -hmm. Because you're, you segment into one where it's like, okay, I might be able to do something that costs me in terms of time or dollars somewhere around, let's just call it a dollar per client, right? Where it costs a dollar per client here, even if that's like a dollar per client per month or something, right? Where you say, okay, I'm going to spend this amount in, say, the bottom half of like your portfolio in terms of what they spend. You know, hey, we got 500 only renters policies or something like that, right? Something on the lower end of an insurance book, right? Well, they're not huge, but you don't want to lose them either, right? They're a good lead source later. Sure. Yeah. Maybe I just do something where I can set up something automatic every six months that just touches base with those, right? And it costs whatever, something small, right? But it's just a process that at least tries to keep them engaged and nothing's going to be 100% effective, right? But you're at least doing something there. And then, okay, for my mid-market group, I want to do something more, right, for them, mm -hmm. right? Whatever that is, whether it's an email one of those handwritten notes type of things that or at least it looks handwritten, some sort of direct mail type feature, whether it's a call, something like that, right? Where you have to determine what's right for that segment. And then you have that top, right? Yeah. Where, yeah. okay, that's the full service call, maybe a gift of some sort, right? But I think segmenting is right, but you need to segment in multiple all the way down and determine what's the strategy for that group. I think that is absolutely fantastic for you to say that about customer segmentation. That's actually got my mind churning. I like I like that a lot because we were talking about customer segmentation, like in what I call the traffic light system, which is like attendance of certain things, et cetera, as a play. And then you're talking about really segmenting the everybody into the value of the customer for sure. And I think that's beautiful. The other thing I want to distinguish for people listening to this is they have heard customer segmentation before, but the angle that we're talking about it here is very different. Meaning, a lot of people will think, hear customer segmentation, Micah, and they think immediately around, you segment the customers to go sell them something else. 
we're not talking about that at all. Okay, this is literally just to keep the business. Now, clearly in those conversations, let's not be stupid here. We're obviously conversations are going to come up. You're going to you're going to cross sell, you're going to upsell, you're going to multi-line into other products. Things are just naturally going to happen in conversations. All right? I mean, we know that. But I think that what we're specifically doing here is we're talking about it not as a sales strategy. This is a retention strategy first, and I think that's the mirror in which you got to look at this. You agree? Totally. People want to do business with people that they like and trust, and it goes a long way to not sell someone. (laughs) Yeah, fair. Absolutely. Don't want to be sold all the time, right? And so I think it's really nice if you ever got a piece of direct mail or an email or something where it was like all nice and then it ended with a sale. Yeah. 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 I think it's good just to sometimes touch base, see how people are doing. And just, I just think that goes a long way. Also, add general. This goes into retention. I mean, it goes into client satisfaction and everything too. We implemented this and this is a different scale for different clients and things like that and what industry you're in. But we do something where we empower our account managers to have a budget every month of getting client appreciation gifts. And it's just a way to promote that they get to know clients a little bit better. Like as they're in, and because you, we always talk with your team about getting to know the clients a little bit, but ask more personal questions. You know, it doesn't have to be just work, right? Understand what's going on in their life, right? And especially with us on the financial side, a lot of the financials and what's happening in the financial drive, what's happening in the personal life, right? Um, and it goes back and forth. So we have a lot of those conversations. And so it's just good for us if something big has happened, something good, you know, big life moment, or even it is something maybe tragic or sad or something that's in their life. It's something affecting them. And our account managers have the ability to have some sort of budget to send them something. I think that's great. Actually, there is a book I want to point people to, and I actually interviewed him. Do you remember when I interviewed the guy who wrote Giftology, John Rulin? Just go back in the podcast and listen. It was probably a year and a half, two years ago. And very similar to that, Micah. Now, his approach is different because the value of the gifts that you get from a company like that is in thousand plus, in some cases, even way higher than that. Now, given the fact that if your accounts that you'd have sold are worth a million dollars, I mean, spending $50,000 on a gift is not unreasonable. But the point is, is that he said to allocate a certain percentage, in his case, he was talking about profit, of net profit, just specifically for that reason. And it's not to go and you don't put promo stuff on it. You don't put your logo on it. It's like, here's the gift for this person. And I think that you're saying, also allocating a specific part of the budget, which obviously Club Capital can help you to be able to kind of know what we have in the margins to be able to allocate to that. Because I think if you think about marketing budget, we immediately think 100% of the marketing budget is going to just customer acquisition, period. All of it. It's like, well, you know what? We got a big you know, book of business over here. We have a lot of customers. We might want to carve some of that off just to be able to keep those customers. It's actually helped me. I've wrote down several notes. I'm going to go back and update our playbook based on some of this stuff. This has been good. I mean, it sounds like we have it all figured out, right? But oh, yeah, 100%. We, yeah, just, just, no, we don't have it figured yeah, out we, at all. We operate a perfect ship here, but I mean, we certainly don't, but we try and take steps in that direction to try and implement on some of these things that have helped. And I think one of the things with the gift stuff, it doesn't need to be big. It's just thoughtful. There's companies out there do like crazy extravagant gifts, right? But I mean, it could be a 
$5 Wawa gift card. <laughs> you know what I mean? If it's really thoughtful, if it's themed into what you were talking about. Yeah. Hey, thought of you or hey, thought that was funny or hey, thought that, you know, hey, yeah. you know, thinking about you, hope you're doing well. Here's something, right? It's just super thoughtful and gets people to go like, wow, that was super nice. Well, I won't say this specifically, but we just did it with one of our mutual clients. Did you see the Slack message I sent you this morning on that? Yes. Uh, yeah. 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 That was was more high end. (laughs) That's definitely more high end for sure. Yeah. But anyway, the high end is fine. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. I think that's the pod.